0: I'm grateful that you've chosen to be with us this morning. Um, you notice things are a little different. I've got extra hardware today. Uh, last Sunday, I was doing one of my favorite things ever, and that was hanging out with CB Youth. Um, if you have not had a chance to, if, if man, if you're missing out on volunteering in CB Youth, you're missing out on the, one of the coolest things in our church. Um, this is where teenagers, you celebrate your, how awesome you are. CB Youth, there you go. Okay. Will's claiming teenager. I love it. Um, No, actually, I was just playing knockout with the kids, and it wasn't even like I I did anything crazy. Other than I'm so good at basketball, I broke my own ankle. Um, It's that good. But uh, honestly, that's all. That's all it was. I I snapped and rolled it, and then it's fractured. Ligaments are pulled. Bones, parts are missing, and uh, it kind of has me inactive for a little bit. So. Um, If you would, I would appreciate your prayers for, uh, first and foremost, a complete healing. Um, How the Lord chooses to do that, I'll receive it any way he wants it. Uh, In addition, would you pray for my wife? Uh, Because I'm a lot to deal with. I'm not a good, sick person. I'm an on-the-move person. So she's a great nurse professionally, but an amazing wife who's taking care of me. And um, thank you for those of you who are helping and you've already jumped in to be like, hey, I can taxi you somewhere. And I'm like, wow. So I appreciate that. I, I will say one of the things I grieved this morning with this was um, coming to set up and not being able to set up. That was really hard for me. So uh, one of the things that I, I actually enjoy doing is I get to be here during setup every week. Um, I come because I actually choose to come. I love being a part of this ministry to set the seats you're sitting in and the signs and the lights, and, and it's just so much fun. But i am now doctor's ordered not allowed to do that stuff and it kind of has me uh i'll be honest with you it has me a little embarrassed i feel that that like man i should be able to do this um it has me feeling like i let you guys down as a church a little bit because it's one of those things i like to do and now i can't but i'm also realizing god's grace in that that i need you and so if you've been on like the bubble of crossbridge kind of going i don't know if i should plug in or not plug in I'm just telling you now I need you if you're available to kind of help plug in with setup and we've got a great system, amazing men and women who are already plugged in that could help guide you along and it's really easy. If you don't like people, you're really only interacting with like four or five other people. It's wonderful. It's a great ministry for like, you know, oh good, I could just keep busy? Yeah, we got it. So um, if, if that's something you'd be willing to kind of jump in Uh, i i would love that um let us know let becky know because she helps organize all of who's where when how and and is way more uh solid at communicating all of that so um would love 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 to see you here um helping with that but uh, before we jump into god's word would you pray with me this morning lord i recognize that we can sing that you are healer that you are great that you're in control and you're sovereign And I am so humbled that this week you've allowed me to understand that in a different way than normal. And so I am so grateful that you work all things for your glory and are shaping to look like you more, Jesus, for the sake of others. God, I confess to you my sense of uh, self-dependency and um, just control. And having to give those up, and even today, not being able to walk around a stage or not being able to do things the way that I anticipated it would be, I give that over to you. I ask, Lord, for continued grace for us together to hear from your word, that it would be so clear for our minds that the relationships that we are in would be transformed because we look more like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, today, we're actually going to be kicking off our, or not kicking off. We're in the second week of our relationship toolbox series, and this series is where we're kind of looking at practical tools that we can use in the context of all our relationships because relationships are hard. Amen. They just are. And so we're talking about the relationships, not just with each other, but the relationship that we have with God, the relationship that we have with each other, and the relationship that we have with the world around us. And last week, we looked at a mirror, and we realized that the one thing that we all have in common in every one of our relationships is the fact that when we look in the mirror, this is what we bring to the table. It's you. You are the one thing that you bring to the table, and if we want to impact all of our relationships, we need to grow to look more like Jesus and focus in on our relationship with God, because nothing will impact the relationships that we have around us more than if we look like Jesus. This is crucial for us. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at a tool from uh, a profession that, I'll be honest with you, I always wanted to kind of go into when I was growing up. I've actually even considered Maybe this is a side gig for me. Like, I could do this right now in my 40s. I would, I would love this. I always wanted to be a DJ. Why are you laughing? It's, I'm serious, I'm serious. I remember the first time that I heard, like, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and, and DJ Jazzy Jeff was spinning records together, putting beats on top of beats, and, you know, Will Smith was kind of coming over top of that, and, and, and that was awesome. I remember the first time I heard... Run DMC and Aerosmith matchup. Do you remember that song? Come on, someone give it to me. Walk this way. Welcome to Old. Thank you. I hear that. This is good, right? But um, I, I still, I kid you not, ask Eileen at New Year's Eve. We were at a wedding for a friend celebrating the new year together. And as much as I enjoyed the music and the, the, or the ceremony, I'm even more involved in the music watching the DJ listening. How is he layering these beats? How is he transitioning from one song to the other? How long is he playing these songs? I mean, I, I, and I get excited every time, and I'm like, did you hear that? She's like, just dance. And I'm like, okay. And I know Beck would tell you that the most important tools in a DJ's uh, repertoire are two turntables and a microphone. But I would argue there's one tool that's just as important, and that simply is the earphones. Right? Do you ever see a good DJ without earphones? No. They're always paying attention to what's on that computer, and they're always paying attention to what's happening in the room. And I'll tell you, this tool that we've got here, it's come a long way. Now, these are noise canceling, so I can't even hear me at this point, so I hope it's clear. But um, You know, there used to be this giant wire connecting, remember that giant curly thing like an old telephone, and now they're at the point where it's all Bluetooth, the sound is so much better, it looks great and they sound great, but there's a new trend that's going around with our teenagers currently today that I think it's a perfect thing that works for a DJ. But it doesn't necessarily work for us in real life. Have you have you seen this thing that happens now? The one earbud move. Oh yeah, yeah, you know it, you know it. If your kids got Bluetooth earphones uh, or earbuds, you know that one bud goes in, and you can't see it. All you see is an open ear, right? And and while you're DJing, DJs do this all the time. They un you know cover their ear to make sure the beats in the house are matching the beats that are coming up. It's so important, but they usually only do it. Good DJs only need to do it for about 10, 15 seconds, and then they lock back in to make sure that they're ready. But today, while that one earbud is in, and I'm not harping on you guys as teenagers, I just noticed the trend more and more in my own home, outside when people are playing basketball. Um, I see it all the time. You can ask someone when they got one earbud in, you don't even know it's connected to a phone or you know, what they're watching, what they're listening to, and you start to talk. You can ask or say anything, and you will almost always get the same response. Huh? <laughs> Hold on. Can, can, can you say that again? Maybe you're going to get, uh-huh, but you know what that means. Because mm-hmm. sometimes teenagers don't use words. They just use sounds like, uh-uh, uh uh-uh. Uh-huh. Y- the one earbud thing, listen, this might actually work when you're DJing, it would be a really effective tool when you're DJing, but this type of listening, it does not work in any of our relationships. It doesn't work in any of our relationships, and I can pick on you guys and CB Youth and say the earbud thing, but let me just tell you what's true about all of us is that we're all half listening most of the time. We just are. Our brains are so completely consumed with the next project at work, or it's school, that, that it's consumed with friend drama, grades, um, some other issue that has your brain going, and when someone goes to talk to you, they, they're looking for your attention, physically, you and I are present with each other. We are, but we might as well all have one ear in, because we're not completely paying attention to the person who's in front of us. And, and I believe that we've all been on the giving side of this and the receiving side, are you with me? We have all done this to somebody, we've received it, and, and no one likes it. We hate when this happens to us. Are you listening is a phrase we repeat over and over in all of our relationships. So let's just be honest together today and say that our inability to actually listen to each other affects all of our relationships. And, and I genuinely believe at, at the very core of who I am, that if we want to improve the relationships that we are in all around us, We need to focus in like a DJ who's wearing both headphones, ready to lock into those beats, connected to whoever's talking to us. I believe that we need to learn to listen like Jesus. We have to listen like Jesus. Now, to unpack this together, I would like for us to look at the three passages that were read for us by Faith, by Ruby, and by Brianna. And ladies, thank you so much for reading for us. They did a great job, didn't they? Thank you. Thank you so much. I love that CB Youth is is up here leading us in Scripture. I love it. Um, But since they've already read the stories for us, I I just want to revisit a couple of verses in those stories, and we're going to look at all three of them. And when we look at them together, we're going to try to pull out three practical ways that Jesus listens. Now, the the topics of every one of the passages is very different so um, when jesus talk what jesus talks about and what the conversation is about is important for another time but for right now we're looking at how jesus responds how jesus listens so it is a very different way to look at scripture because we always like the topic things instead of looking at the behavioral things of jesus and so we're going to look at how jesus listens to people and then go from there sound good all right The first story that faith had read for us was found in Mark chapter 10, the gospel of Jesus, uh, the, the, the biography of Jesus written by Mark. And this is about a rich young ruler or a rich young teacher. And this teacher approaches him with a very heavy question on his heart, just as a bit of a refresher. Verse 17 told us that as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when you notice, this passage begins with Jesus being on his way. Okay, he's on his way. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and there's something in Jerusalem for him to do, and while he's going on that way, he's interrupted in a pretty unique way when a man runs up to him and throws himself at his feet. I've never had this happen. I don't know how I would respond, right? That'd probably sidestep or hobble at this point and then scoot on um, and just keep rolling away, right? But before Jesus ever has a chance to listen to a single word that this guy says, he can listen to the body language of this man. This man is respectful, he's eager, he's desperate, he's looking to Jesus for an answer. And Jesus is in his going he's going to stop. He actually stops instead of moving on, and he genuinely listens to this man, and I say that because he listens to the man's words, all of them, and he pulls out one word, and and Jesus says to this man, after he calls him a good teacher, Jesus asks him, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good, right? He, He picked up on the one word. Good listeners, like Jesus, try to listen to everything that other people are saying, not letting the words that they have go to waste And here. Then Jesus responds to the man's question about eternal life that he has. And he gives him six different commands. Five of those commands are actually found in the, uh, in the 10 commandments. And these would have been known and repeated. Now, each of the commands that he lists, they're built around the values that the, the Jewish people of the day naturally held together. And so when this leader responds, I've always perceived it as arrogant. He's like, oh, I kept all those things. I'm like, "You're yeah, right. No, these are behavioral things that there would have been so much shame and guilt because of the culture that they were in that, that he very well could have held to these standards. And what we know is that as he says, you know, I did this, he's not being cocky. He's not being pompous. At least I believe that's, What Jesus, he wouldn't have heard that because his response in verse 21 isn't shaming. He says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was listening to this rich young ruler with empathy. He had feelings for him. He could hear what this man was longing for, even if he didn't communicate it. And without breaking down this whole passage and why, Jesus knew that this man was looking for eternal security. He was looking for eternal security. He was secure on earth because of all his stuff, but the afterlife, this was a different story for the man. And, And Jesus looked at him. He heard and he listened to his heart and he loved him. And that doesn't mean he didn't speak truth to him because in the very next verse, Jesus does tell him, go ahead and sell everything you have. Sell everything you have and then come follow me. And the man who was listening to every word of Jesus heard him. But I don't think he wanted to. Because it tells us that he leaves the presence of Jesus sad. I have to believe that at least he left knowing he was listened to. That he knew he was heard. I want you to keep that story in mind for a second. And let's jump back to the biography of Jesus written by Matthew one of Jesus' disciples, and this is the passage that uh, Ruby had read for us. And this is where Jesus, and I want you to pay attention to how Jesus interacts and listens to someone who no one wants around. How does Jesus listen to someone that no one else wants to listen to or talk to? And so in, in verse 21 and 22 of Matthew, we read that then Jesus left Galilee, and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile, or, or the, the better translation there is Canana, uh, Canaanite. It's like a whole region of a type of people. A Canaanite woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely." When we look at this passage, it's easy to see desperation on this woman, but what we have to understand is where this passage is taking place. And in the very beginning, it says the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, to us, no big deal. We're just happy we can pronounce the names of the cities, right? In the second, or first and second century, when the Jewish people were reading this, because that's who Matthew was writing to primarily, what he mentions here would have been a huge deal. Mentioning the region of Tyre and Sidon, you need to know what to put the the jewish readers on the edge of their seat because they hated this region they did not like the people of this region geographically just write them off adding in that this woman was a canaanite or a gentile or whatever word you want to use that says she's not jewish adding in that she was a different um we'll just say ethnicity at this point and that she's a woman because talking to a woman uh, men or women do not approach women or women do not approach men in this culture. You do not approach them at all, let alone the way that this woman approaches him and what she says to him. She's all verbal with him, right? I need freedom for my daughter who's demon possessed. This woman is desperate and breaks every rule. The readers of the original text here would have been freaking out reading this. So uncomfortable. But Jesus's response to this woman in verse 23, do you see what he says to her? But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Silence. Jesus' response to this woman's plea is silence. Most of the time, listening means not talking. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't, he just lets the conversation sit in the air. And this silence and this awkwardness of the situation. Have you ever been in a situation where no one's saying anything? Some people feel that, like, weird tension. Someone has to say something. Like, we can't just let it be silent. In this story, it's the disciples. They're fantastic. They're like, uh, this is getting awkward. Jesus isn't saying anything. And so I imagine in this, like, as best as they could, quiet but polite, trying to be nice, um, but I don't really like you, voice, they ask Jesus, can you send her away uh, she's bothering us, right? She, she's annoying. She shouldn't even be here. And you know what Jesus does? You know how he responds to the disciples? Take a guess. You could even cheat and use your Bibles in silence. In silence. He doesn't respond to the disciples, but in this moment, he does respond to the woman. And with a very odd statement about his purpose here on earth being to rescue israel right but she doesn't care she's unrelenting she heard jesus and i have to imagine that there's something in jesus's tone when he says don't you know i'm here to to rescue israel basically that that invites her to press a little further like go ahead and ask go ahead and keep going and so she does she presses harder by kneeling and she starts to beg jesus and then jesus mentions how he says like listen it's not right to take the food from the kids and to throw it to the dogs i know that this seems so insulting It really does, but I believe that in this moment, Jesus has been listening in his silence to both the woman's plea and the disciples' plea. The disciples are like, this is so uncomfortable. She's like, but my kid, and and he recognizes both of them, and then he gives the woman the chance to respond. Not the disciples, but the woman. He gives her a chance to respond, and her boldness and her faith are actually praised by Jesus. They're praised by Jesus, and he does not do that often. I believe he didn't speak up because he was trying to see in this situation where in the world is this woman coming from and what will my disciples do in this situation, right? When we talk about listening, especially in situations where we are in the middle of two people who disagree, and let's just be candid, in this culture, ours, race, sexuality, money, Um, politics, war, you pick your subject. We have friends on both sides of things, or at least hopefully you do. If you don't, you need some friends that disagree with you. But do you ever get in the middle of one of those conversations? Two people on these sides, and you're like, do you know what you need to do? Just listen. Understand that silence is golden. Silence is such a gift, and I think we do ourselves, we would do ourselves well If we could listen like Jesus and just shut up when necessary. I'm not the best at this. (laughs) I'm not. Um, This one here, this story is very tough for me because I I don't really put it into practice. And so Jesus' ability to just listen amazes me. It amazes me. And the last story that we will look at is found in the biography of Jesus written by John that Brianna had read for us in John chapter 3. And most of us are familiar with this story um, about being born again that comes later. But again, Jesus' ability to listen and here is what we're looking for. And in the first two verses of John chapter 3, we read that there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. So, In this story, Jesus is being approached by a very powerful, very educated man named Nicodemus. But it's not during office hours, right? It's not a nine to five when he shows up to speak to Jesus. This is a nighttime meeting. This is a nighttime meeting. And you notice in this passage how Jesus is always ready to listen. He's always available to listen. Even at night, when everybody's supposed to be getting ready for bed, Jesus is willing to listen. And and Nicodemus approaches Jesus with this question in mind. What's your deal, man? He's trying to figure out who the heck Jesus is. He, He declares to him, I know that you must come from God because no one else could do the miracles that you're doing. No one else can do this. But Jesus knows by listening to him that Nicodemus' statements that he's making are all knowledge-based. He's looking at the data in front of him and saying, I'm reading all the data, I'm seeing all the things and understanding them through this lens, therefore, I get it, you must come from God. And so what Jesus does is he challenges him in this story little by little by telling him, like, listen. The first thing he says if you really want to see the kingdom of god you have to be born again this is my favorite part of the passage because nicodemus is just completely thrown off (laughs) he's like um that's weird like jesus i know it's nighttime or like what this is weird you can't say things like that um he comes out right out and it's like jesus what the heck are you talking about how in the world can you be born if you're already old no mom wants you getting back in there to be born again like that's not what this is you can't do that right jesus answers him and oh in a way that that maybe it's a little bit more unclear for us or unclear for nicodemus Because Nicodemus again responds to him, he's like, I just don't get it, how? How can this be? And from this point of this back and forth of Nicodemus questioning Jesus and Jesus laying out these little things, he explains, Jesus explains this idea of being born again in this new way to Nicodemus in a way that he understood and it made more sense to him. And here's what I love about Jesus' listening ability in this passage is that he let Nicodemus ask tough questions. He allowed the space for things to be processed. Jesus was not afraid of being asked tough questions. And and I love that Jesus presented himself and created an atmosphere where he was a safe enough person that Nicodemus actually felt comfortable asking those questions. They They were logical, and they were difficult, and Jesus listened well. And so, because Jesus listened well, you know what I think listening well does? is it earned him the right to then be heard. Because when we know someone listens to us, we're willing then to listen to them because we think this is a good back and forth. This is a healthy relationship. And if Jesus had said these things to Nicodemus at any other point, I just don't know that they're heard. Actually, I think Nicodemus probably is on the flip side of going, who is this kook? This guy's crazy. Why is he teaching these things? But Nicodemus was in a place with questions. And he felt comfortable enough to ask them. And listening for us, like Jesus, I think gains us credibility with people. And so in these three stories as we look at them, as different as they all are, there are some common themes that I want to pull out for us today that are going to help us so that we can lock into the people around us, almost DJ style. And if we want to raise the bar in our relationship, how do we listen like Jesus? I think there's three things he practiced that we can pick up. The first one simply is, Listen intently. Now, I I know this probably seems like common sense to say that, like, oh, how do I listen? Listen intently. But I really don't know that we do this well. I think we need to hear this. If we want to listen like Jesus, we have got to be intentional about how we listen. Something is simple. Write this down if you can. Look at the person speaking to you. Right? Right? Just look at the person speak to you. Don't stare at your phone when someone's talking to you. Don't stare at the TV. Don't let your mind wander to what is next in your meetings that you've got to get to. Take the earbuds out of your ear, the earphones off of your head. Put your phones or your controllers down and look at the person who's talking to you. The amount of conversations that I have with people that are interrupted by glances, at updates, at texts, at tweets, at Facebook things that come through and they check their watch for them, at random game requests that come in. I, I, I mean, it's absurd how distracted we are as a culture and as people. And you cannot give someone your complete focus if your favorite sports team is playing this huge game in the background. Are you really paying attention? to what someone is saying to you in that moment? No, you're waiting for the next play to be run. Right? If the radio's on and your favorite song is on, are you really listening to the person who's talking to you or in your head singing Take On Me as it goes around? I'm singing Take On Me, no offense, right? And, and I hate to say this because I, I find myself struggling with this so bad. This is so hard, especially for me, if there is a screen in sight, I, I, I feel like, you know, a six-year-old is like, Shh. it just doesn't matter, and I'm watching it, and I try to position myself. If you have ever gone out with me and we go out for a drink or go out for an appetizer or whatever, I try to put myself where I cannot see the screen intentionally so I can look at you because I'm not going to make it. It's, it's really hard for me. I'm just being honest. But at the same time, it drives me nuts when people are checking phones without any reason just because someone tweeted? What's really that important? I thought we were here together. Jesus constantly shows that the person that he's with is valuable, that they are worth listening to. He stops in his going to pay attention. He listens to the tough questions because they're worth it. He brings worth. He brings value. He brings security to the talker of the conversation. And he listens intently, which brings value to others. If we want to improve the relationships we're in, we have to learn to listen intently. The second practice we learn from Jesus is we have to learn to listen for the heart. Listen for the heart. Um, notice the amount of times that if you read the biographies of Jesus, how often does he answer questions straight out with an answer not often it's only a handful of times most of the time when jesus is questioned with something he answers with a question um and and he's trying to figure out why are you asking this what's behind the, the 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 reason you're asking this question what's in your heart here and this is brilliant because jesus understands that most of us have some really deep tough questions that we want answered they're all very personal to us when, when we ask about relationship things with people and if we should continue a relationship or not, and we're like, what do you think? We're really deeply down asking, do you think I'm a lovable person? Do you think I'm worthy of love? If we ask about, like for me, I, I hate this stupid ankle thing. Asking for rides has been so hard for me because it's a self-worth thing. Every time I ask for a ride, the heart behind it is, uh, I feel somewhat defeated because I should be able to do this. And the Lord's teaching me humility. It's so hard because it's a simple question, but you have no idea what's going on in my heart. But that's what questions are, right? When we ask about death, we're asking, do you think there's an afterlife? Can I be eternally secure? Like this man asks, we have questions, and sometimes I just think that when we ask a question, someone asks it back. We get to really why we're asking it. Uh, it would be great for us to model this like Jesus does. Listen for someone's heart. What's really behind why they're asking that question? Ask, we should ask more questions for clarification. How many assumptions do we make when we're listening? We assume all sorts of things about each other. We never ask for clarification. We just kind of sometimes want juicier details about something instead of clarification. What if it really was about the person in front of us, not just the details that we could share with someone else? I, I'm learning as a pastor. Most of the time, people just want to be heard more than anything else. They want to know someone's heard them. And most of the time, if we go out together, you're working through your own issues. <laughs> Um, There's no deep wisdom here that's not found in Scripture. All I know is is you read Scripture, I ask you questions, and what Jesus might think, you're coming to your own realizations through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is doing in our life, but it takes good questions to do this, and listening for someone's heart helps us understand that, you ready for this one? Not everything someone comes to you with needs to be fixed by you. I'll say it again in case you missed it. Not every problem that someone comes to you with needs to be fixed by you. We just want to be heard sometimes. We have to be mindful. We're not meant to solve every problem. We just need to hear them. When we listen for the heart, I believe that we give um, the other person the ability to be loved. But I believe Jesus gives us the ability to care on a level that most of our world cannot. They blow right by us. But Jesus allows us to listen like him for the care of our world. We're not listening for the words coming out of their mouth solely, but we're looking at body language, listening for someone's tone of voice. Pay attention if they keep using emotional language or one word. Why do you call me good teacher? Why do you ask that question about this thing? You keep using this word. What's that mean to you? They're could be a lot of value and good questions, but we have to listen to people's hearts. Does that make sense? The third practice from Jesus is um, to be slow to speak. I know, it's a lesson on listening, right? it feels funny to say that, but I feel like I have to, because nowhere in Jesus's conversations does he really cut people off. He listens to them. Even when the conversation, like I'm thinking of John 4 when he's talking to the Samaritan woman, it, the, the conversations are all over the place. But he listens. He, he lets people keep talking and going where they're going to go, and he didn't feel like he had to fill in the silence. He was slow to speak. He just let things hang sometimes. Silence is beautiful because it gives you the time to process what you've just heard. And if you're listening intently, if you're listening for the heart, you, you need time to process that. These are big things that we've got to process. Waiting to speak, here's what that means, it, it, or here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you're formulating what you get to say when they shut up. It doesn't mean waiting for them to stop talking so that you can insert why they were wrong, where they need correction. I'm sorry, i I'm sorry I do this. I, I, I get it. Like, it doesn't mean you're prepping your next defense, it means you're listening to them. Slow to speak doesn't mean formulating what you get to say. It just means listening. Because when you're formulating what you're going to do and say in response, do you know what you're not doing? Listening. You're not listening. You got one earbud in. And let me tell you, in that time, you're not listening to make sure that your beats that you're about to lay down are matched up with the beats on the dance floor. You're simply thinking, I don't care what the beats are here. This gonna—it's going to change the whole party, and you're ready to blow it up. If we're going to listen intently and be locked in Bluetooth style to someone, hook up straight to them, we have to listen intently. We have to listen for the heart. We have to be slow to speak. And I will tell you this week, I have lost and I have been convicted in every one of these areas personally. Every one of them. I have not been slow to speak. I've interrupted people and yelled, um, uh, even to some here at Crossbridge when it's been, uh, I've had to confess sin because I was not in a great place. This is hard. But if we want to look in the mirror and become more like Jesus, he listened differently. Are you really able to listen well? This will change your relationships. This will give you opportunities to be Jesus. Uh, to, to, to react like Jesus and to present his gospel story in a way that you would never imagine because our world longs to be heard. They're dying to be heard. You cannot get a good counselor right now. They're all booked up. You know why? We lost the ability to listen to each other. Could you imagine what it would look like as followers of Jesus if we learned to listen? How different would the marriages in our church look? How different would the families, parenting, siblings, your work relationships look if you listen like Jesus? That's the type of church I want to be part of. That's the type of followers of Jesus I want to run after him with. If you feel like man I'm not a great listener and I wish the Lord would open up my ears as we close our service with communion today and you realize like man this is an area I need prayer for we have our prayer area up here that we would love to just pray for you Lord open your ears and and if you're like oh, I don't want everybody to know I need you know prayer for listening if they're judging you for coming up for prayer for listening they're obviously not looking at your heart <laughs> we all need prayer for this pray for me this week please I need this We need this. I'm grateful that Jesus demonstrated in John chapter 13 as he washed the disciples' feet at that last supper. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And he listens so well to his disciples. And at that last supper, he presented at the Passover Seder the bread. And as he took out the bread, he held it up. And they didn't understand it yet. Even if they listened, I don't think they would have gotten it. But he said to them, this is my body that's broken for you. And then he held up the cup of wine at the end, the cup of redemption in the Passover Seder. And he said, "This, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And when we lack the ability to listen to each other, this is sin. Because we are not loving the person in front of us the way that Jesus would. And if you're like, ah, I keep sinning in this way guess what? This is what the table represents, is the forgiveness of that sin of each time we've missed it. We need that, amen? Oh, so good. So if you're here this morning and you have placed your hope in Jesus and his resurrection, dedicated your life to following his teachings and loving like he loves, I want to invite you to celebrate communion together, this death his his body and his blood poured out for us, his body broken and yet resurrected to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can again start over and ask for forgiveness from each other and say, can you say that again so I can really listen? This table brings us together as sinners and reminds us of our Savior's grace. If you have placed your trust in Jesus, we invite you to come and to celebrate communion with us. If you have not Placed your hope in Jesus, then we would encourage you and actually uh, strongly encourage you. Just you don't have to come forward. Please don't. No one's judging you. But this is for those who have chosen to follow Jesus. And so in this time, would you stand with me as we pray? Jesus, as I think of the end of this message, I'm acutely aware of my lack of ability to listen to you. And in my soap times in the morning, sometimes it's a checkbox and I run through and all of these things of being slow to speak or listening intently and doing those things, I ask for your forgiveness where I have lacked listening to you. As a church, may we intently gaze into your glory, receive your grace. May our time with you be one of you speaking and us listening, not just us unloading and you receiving, but back and forth. And when there's silence, it's not weird. It's not bad. It just is. Lord, as we come to the table, we admit we've missed this. We receive your forgiveness and celebrate you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said.